Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And our scripture for this weekend was uh, the ninth chapter of John, the healing of a blind man. Mud in your eyes. Yeah, I, I skipped the whole spit and mud in the eye thing. Um, we shortened the reading a bit. And so I just took it from the point of where he was being dragged in front of the, the Pharisees for the second time after they dragged his parents and da-da-da-da-da, going, well, maybe you're not even really blind. Maybe you weren't really blind. You're just making it all up. It <laughs> because, because people do that, right? Like, <laughs> I know. I, I, so you see that on TV all the time, right? Like someone pretends to be blind so they can panhandle and get money. Right, um, right. You know, I remember, I, wow, I'm going I'm to both date myself and out myself. Um, so I remember... I think it was, what, 48 hours with Eddie Murphy, and he pretended to be blind, and, you know, a couple other shows, you know, people pretend to be blind because it was whatever. I, first of all, <laughs> let's just be honest. Like, you got issues if you're trying to pretend you're blind. Second of all, it's really hard to actually pretend to be blind. Yes, it is. I mean, I, you know... You actually put shades on and just stumble around, I suppose. But it, you know, the the, I don't think they had sunglasses back then. I, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> Ray Ban was not a thing. Yeah, yeah. You didn't didn't go around with the sunglasses pretending to be blind. Um, there were a lot of um, landmines <laughs> in this text. And, and, all, and like virtually all of them were translation-related. Um, so, yeah, some, a lot of them were translation-related. Uh, in fact, we did not use the NRSV translation because um, there was a lot of stuff that just didn't make sense. And through my uh, listening to the Narrative Lectionary podcast in which my former Greek uh, New Testament professor, uh, Craig Kester, um, from Luther Seminary, mentioned that the translation of the NRSV was just, it was really off. For one thing, apparently they completely added a whole like sentence that isn't even in there in the Greek. So we switched and, and, and went with the message by uh, I guess paraphrase, I don't know, translation's quite the right word for it, but a paraphrase, um, which, which I think caught the, the general gist of it much better than the, the NRSV's attempt at translating. I'm a huge fan of the message. Um, I like paraphrasing, quite frankly, because... Would you say that again? I like paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it makes it easier in a modern-day context to understand... I think, it's, so we've had this conversation before. I cannot stand Paul and, and, and the way it's translated in most traditional uh, translations. In the message, I always go to Paul, or when I'm, when I'm doing Paul, I always go to the message because that paraphrase makes it easier for me to really understand. Paul's writing is complicated, um, and I think, I think Eugene Peterson did a phenomenal job, well, particularly in Paul's writings, of, of, getting, of, of making sure you get the message. Ha ha. Um, that was not intended. Making sure you get the <laughs> message of the text without 
getting all stumbly through through Paul's words. Yeah. Well, word for word translations are always really, really clunky. Well, the English language is clunky. Yeah. Well. I mean, I, I hope that doesn't offend someone, but the English language is. It, there's no common sense in the English language and the way it's, the the way we the way we do English. Uh, you know, I, I didn't realize how little I knew about English or how little I remembered about the technical parts of English. And you know, remember in junior high school when you we diagram sentences and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh my God, I hated that stuff. Sentences. And I thought this is stupid. Why will I ever need this? And then I went to seminary and we did Greek and I'm like, oh. That's why you needed it. Well, that's actually how... Um, and I didn't I, remember any of it. That's actually how my best friend and I became best friends in seminary. Was Man, you got issues. She came to me for help for Greek, and what finally clicked for her was when I started going, um, yeah, this is like your, your sentence structure in English of your noun, verb... Past, object. present, participles, and I'm like, I, yeah. I yeah. heard of it. Those kinds of things. And she finally was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I started kind of going, okay, sentence structure. This is, this is how we do it in English, and this is the equivalent, and it's just all messed up. Yep. And she was like, oh, okay. And then she, she did a lot better. St but, study another language and then tell me the English language makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's always, yeah. It's always a little wacky. But um, I don't want to get caught up on translation issues for our entire podcast, which we could. Because, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, definitely some, some landmines. Number one, any notion or idea that, um, first of all, being blind in terms of having blindness, like if you're actually a blind person, that this is somehow makes you less than. Yes. Um, I, 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 I reject that notion. Yeah. Um, you know, just because one of your senses has been taken from you does not somehow make you less of a person or less worthy or any along, thing there, along those lines. There are multiple landmines in Scripture as it pertains to disabilities. Yes, um, yes. You know, particularly, it's often, it was often tied to sin. Um, right. Again, something that, we, that is not of, holds any merit. But well, and that was the pro <laughs> I guess I'm going to get back to the translation issue. That was one of the problems with the NRSV translation was that whole section on um, kind of going, well, um, who sinned that this man is blind? That actually isn't even in there. But the NRSV had it in there. Yeah. Um, you know, so the notion that, that he was a sinner and Jesus is kind of like, eh, that's not the problem. Um, the problem is he's being marginalized for it. Yes. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think the issue was not that the man couldn't see so much as how he was being treated because he couldn't see. Um, and the funny part is being healed didn't solve the problem <laughs> in this case. <gasps> it didn't solve him not being marginalized. They kicked him out of the, the temple or the synagogue um, anyway. It's the, it's the notion of moving the goalposts, right? Right. Like... Like we see this in, in society today. Oh, well, you have to do this. And then you get to say, like, oh, no, I, well, I mean this. Oh, well, no, well I mean this. And you, and you keep moving the goalposts further and further away so that you can't actually 
right. achieve or attain whatever it is you're trying to attain. Yeah. So, so it's, crap. It, it's, it's, you know, Jesus heals him. And the guy's like, cool. So what happens? He gets dragged in front of the Pharisees. They go to his parents. They drag him again. And they basically, and, and they just kind of hound him. And they're like, you know, give, um, you know, you, you need to say God did this, not this Jesus person. And he's kind of like, well, I mean, I'm not saying God didn't do it, but I'm also saying this guy did it. <laughs> that it wouldn't have happened without him. Um, yeah. That, you know, this wasn't just something that miraculously happened all on its own. Jesus actually came, spit on me, and, you know, did this thing. So, and, and he gets kind of snarky and sarcastic with them, and I kind of love it. You know, at first he's kind of like, oh, are you asking me all these questions because you want to become his disciples too? There, there are so many places in the Bible where there is like heavy, heavy sarcasm. And I think, right. I think a lot of people miss it because sarcasm isn't always a revered trait, which I personally love, but yeah. it's not a revered trait, so we don't think it can be part of Scripture. Right, we don't, especially we don't think it uh, can be coming from any of the people that we think it um, uh, are, are, are holy people, so to speak. And yet the prophets tend to be very sarcastic. Um, Elijah is very sarcastic, for one. Um, but, and, and even Paul gets really sarcastic at times. I know you don't like him, but... He, he does get sarcastic. I, 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 I don't like his. I don't like Paul's writing style. Yeah, I or, don't like his rhetoric. Yeah, it's just it yeah. just it confuses me. Um, but the you know he's he's also do you want to become his disciples? And then he's kind of like, well, this is amazing. He's like, you idiots. Yeah. <laughs> you you still you're still claiming you don't know who this guy is. I mean, come on. Uh, and they get a little irritated with his sarcasm and kick him out of the temple um, with the exclamation of your dirt. <laughs> now, in the Greek, I don't think it actually says your dirt. That's the paraphrase from the Message Bible. But that's the, I mean, I think that's the equivalent of what they were, you know, yeah, what they were saying is, is your scum, your, your, you know, forget you, get out. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that what Jesus is doing is, making it so he is no longer supposed to be marginalized and yet continues to be marginalized because of his refusal to denounce Jesus. And so that continues the marginalization process kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, and again, kind of one of the landmines being if we just keep saying Pharisees, 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 um, I, again, I think it's a particular group of Pharisees. It's not all-encompassing. We've mentioned this before. Um, it's kind of like saying, well, Christians do X, Y, and Z, and we sit there and we go, okay, that's a, just a very vocal minority that do that, but okay. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I, I, I find fascinating about this text, and it was the part we, we didn't actually read in, in Scripture, the, back, the mud in the eyes part, like when you think of, I actually talked about this at, at Christmas uh, or Christmas Eve. When, when you think of Jesus and you think of 
you know, Scripture, you think of, you know, this pure, this clean, this sanitized version. Well, this guy's blind, and how does Jesus restore his sight? Spit and mud. There's nothing clean about spit or mud. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes in order to be healed, you have to go, you have to get messy. Things have to be dirty and, and, and messy in order to get through it to get to the healing part. Right. And it's, I always found that that's, the, that's the one part of this reading that that's always intrigued me. I mean, in other parts of Scripture, Jesus heals without mud and spit. Right. So right? why this time did he need to use mud right. and spit? And Jesus restored sight in other parts of Scripture, correct? Uh, yeah, I don't know that he does it in John's Gospel. Right, I don't yet, think in John, but, but in other, but in, yeah, there, there's in, other, in other Gospels. Yeah, there's, and there's I, other. I don't recall there being mud and spit. <clears throat> that's, that's unique to this story, correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, I believe that is which, I, which I just fi I find interesting that, you know... Well, and there's, um, there was... <laughs> there apparently was a pastor <laughs> who decided to, like, use this as a... Um, illustration and demonstration and actually spit on somebody yes to try and and prove um a point um he kind of did prove the point because he got dragged for it because hello covid and a few things like that spitting on somebody maybe not an awesome thing what an idiot i, I, I get his point his point was <laughs> this is not a socially acceptable thing to do <laughs> It's gross. <laughs> yes. You don't do this. And Jesus did it. And, you know, um, so <laughs> I get his point. On the other hand, it was like, dude, read the room, you know. <laughs> Maybe not the time or the place to be doing that. Um, Reading the room, an important uh, trait that they don't actually teach in seminary and some people just don't get. But... <laughs> Really should be a thing that they teach in seminary. You, you, you gotta read the room. Gotta read the room. Maybe this isn't the and current like and current context. Right. Um, you know, middle of the pandemic. Maybe isn't the time to go spitting on people. Maybe. Um, just to just to prove a point. I mean, had he actually healed somebody, that would have been maybe a little different. But this was just an illustration to prove a point, and it was like, um, maybe not. Um, yeah. but yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, so kind of the gist or the focus on mine actually was more on that very last sentence, um, which again in the NRSV was really confusing, but, um, the message Bible made it a lot clearer, which was this notion of, um, you can't claim to be blind, at least not really blind, if you go around basically saying you're an expert yeah. on something. Goes back to that humility. Yeah. That, you know, a, a deeply Christian concept of humility. Yes. Um, and we're not called or expected um, to be experts on everything. No. Nor do we have to. 
I think this is, this is where it's really, it's really been interesting um, over the last, I don't know, two to five years. I, I don't know. More recent, more recent history is you know, we have people who have dedicated their life to studying things, right? right. Whether it be medicine or history or, you know, whatever. And we have people with either limited education in general or just not their field that are that that want to tell people how to tell people they're wrong that their life's work and their life studies are inaccurate or wrong now it's not to say that everybody is 100% perfect but you know if you ask a teacher right if you ask a teacher hey does state testing does that help the education process for our kids you're going to have to ask an awful lot of teachers to find one that says, yes, I believe that the state testing system, particularly here in Florida, that the state testing system is great for our kids. I've yet to find one. So if you're a teacher and you're listening to this podcast or you know a teacher, please ask them. And if they're able to say, yes, I think it's an awesome idea. I love it. Have them call me because I just like to talk because it's like finding a unicorn, right? So... It's, it's like literally finding, so this is my weekend, this is my Sunday afternoon, it's literally finding Johnny Bench sitting on a bench, like a Hall of Fame baseball player just randomly sitting on a bench at the same place I was the, on Sunday afternoon. I, I heard about that. And I got to sit on a bench and talk to Johnny Bench. Like, I was so disappointed that so many people in my circle didn't know who Johnny Bench was. Um, and I guess that dates me maybe a little bit, and also I'm a sports person. It was also interesting that my wife was more interested in taking the girls to show them how cool the bathrooms were at, at, at Rock and H Ranch <laughs> than going and talking to a yeah. Hall of Fame baseball player. But whatever. Um, I, it, it's, so if you're a teacher like, who, 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 fi- who finds the FSA or, or state testing to be beneficial, ultimately beneficial for the kids... Um, please let me know because you, I, I've yet to find one. So we, we're in this place where you know, we have people who are, we, to go back to the translation, blind. Right. Blind to, to, to different areas. I am, not, I am not a medical professional. I have, and WebMD does not make me a medical professional. No. As much as you know, we go to WebMD, oh my God, I feel this. You go to WebMD and you go, oh my God, I could be dying. And you go to the doctor like, uh, yeah, you have uh, whatever. Right. And it's like, oh, take one of these and you're, you're good. Th- this idea that, that experts now aren't experts and everybody can just debunk because we don't feel like it. And I feel like that's kind of going on in this text a little bit. Yeah. Well, and or Jesus is at least warning against it. Yeah, and, and that that becomes the the point for Jesus is that look, you're you're condemning this guy, um, and you so you don't get a claim that you're you're blind and therefore blameless um, because you're you're making a you know, you're, you're making a judgment call 
saying, you know, and so guess what? Yeah, you're going to be held accountable for that. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's kind of a scary statement from Jesus, to be quite honest, um, that like making those judgments actually have consequences, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, you will be held accountable for every, uh, you know, fault and failure. It's like, oh, okay. Um, versus if you were truly blind, versus you were truly ignorant, you truly could not see, you truly didn't know. You, you've seen the movie Ghost, right? With yes. Whoopi Goldberg, Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore. Uh-huh. Um, Pottery scene, yeah. What's that? Pottery scene, yeah. Yeah, everybody's favorite scene. Uh, <laughs> confession, mine included. It was awesome. Um, it's the only reason I watched the movie, probably. Um, but but the, the one line that actually sticks, so that's the scene that sticks out in that movie, but the one line that sticks out in that movie, what is it? Maybe it's just me. Whoopi Goldberg, girl, you in trouble. Oh, okay. Girl, you in trouble. So when I hear that text, the end of that text, I'm like, girl, you in trouble. Yeah. Um, in, in, my Whoopi, in my best Whoopi Goldberg girl, voice, which I don't actually have. <laughs> yeah, where it, Patrick Swayze goes on this long diatribe of, of things to tell her, and, 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 and we just kind of go, girl, you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, just, let's just boil this down. Um, if you haven't seen the movie Ghost, go back and watch it. It's actually a good movie. I was going to say, it's, it's, it's old enough that um, I'm tough luck if we're giving spoilers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had yeah. your chance. Yeah, you, 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 you. And we didn't give it away. You've had a few decades. Yeah, we didn't give. We, did, we just we delayed some groundwork. We didn't give away the whole movie, but. Yeah. You, but you girl, had a few you decades and, to go watch that movie. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but the. You know, the, just kind of that. Then how do we sort of read this and look at this, and how does this apply to us? Uh, at least for me, and and kind of the the way my sermon was that I based my sermon on was the whole notion of um, when we see stuff, when we, you know, when we see it, we cannot claim to be blind to it anymore. And if we're not blind, that means we're accountable. Um, and if we're continuing to participate in something, that means we're even culpable. Um, yeah. And it, you know, it just is, is kind of this... Um, Thing in terms of, of, I think so often we do see things, but we sort of throw our hands up and be, and and we're just like whatever, and we don't want to deal with it. And I think Jesus kind of gives us a little bit of a warning there that it's like, well, you know, you're not blind. You you see what's going on. Um, <clears throat> some, so. We're Ash Wednesday's coming up tomorrow, and so we won't have a podcast about just Ash Wednesday. So I'm I'm gonna kind of segue slightly into the next te text because it's a continuation of this one. Yep. Um, the the Ash Wednesday text, even though it's quote chapter ten, uh, when the story was written, there were no chapter numbers, so they didn't realize that this was supposed to be a break. And they randomly just put numbers in. Yeah. Stuff. And so, but, but it's one of those things, Jesus doesn't just walk away after this. 
he continues to engage the Pharisees. He continues to have this conversation with them, and the blind man still is kind of at the forefront of the conversation that continues on, even though he doesn't really get mentioned again. Because if you remember right, there's a question that um, Jesus asks the blind man. He says, do you not recognize my voice? And Jesus then goes on this whole long thing about how his sheep recognize his voice. Yeah. Um, you know, he go, he's the good shepherd, he's the gate. You know, this whole uh, chapter 10 then is all about uh, Wh- the gate. Which, interestingly enough, in, in working with our confirmation students and, and high school students in particular, that's the question they probably have the most. How do I know it's God or how do I, how do I know it's God? Right. Like, how do I know, how do I know it's God? Well, and what I say in my sermon, and probably what I tell other people is I go, well, my, usually, my litmus test is does it bring healing? Does it bring wholeness? Um, You know, is it consistent with, for lack of a better term, with what Jesus would do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, and I, I, along those lines, I take it back and say, listen, that's why it's important, it's critically important, one, that you read Scripture. Right. That you read Scripture, and you attend church, and you hear, and, and you, the more familiar you are, you are with Scripture and interpreting, interpreting Scripture, the better. Prayer. You know, if, if, your, if your relationship and your conversation with, with God and with Jesus is... The deeper that relationship, the easier, not, not, not foolproof, but the easier it is to interpret and go, okay, does this fit? Does this bring healing? Does this, is this in the arc of, and I'm not talking about pulling out a piece of scripture, you know, one verse or two verses that say, you know, um, slavery is okay or women shouldn't be pastors. Look at the entire arc of scripture and, with, and does it fit in the entire arc of scripture of a loving, gracious, gracious and merciful God? And if the answer is no, then it probably ain't the shepherd. Reading and knowing scripture and understanding scripture are two very different things. Correct, correct. Um, and, and that's actually the problem of, that, that we're having in these texts, yep. is you have this group of leaders who are religious leaders who say, we know scripture. Yep. We know scripture. Um, the week before, you know, it was the whole... Um, they were going off on, you know, well, what does Scripture say about the Messiah? Well, he can't, not that he comes from Galilee. Well, not that, you know, he's got to be this or he's got to be that or he's got to do, you know, and it was, you know, these, these people are, you know, they're cursed because they, they don't know their Scripture. Yep. Um, and they're following this guy. And it's, and it's one of those things where um, <clears throat> it's a... a you cannot say that these people don't know their laws. Yeah, it's, so it's it's the difference. I, I like it. It's the difference between memorizing scripture. Oh, I memorized this verse. Awesome. What does it mean? I don't know. Well, what's the point? I don't care that you can you can you know regurgitate and spit back at me something. What does it mean? How does right. it fit? Because just being able to say, oh, I read it, or I can spit it back. Yeah. Because uh, the bigger question becomes so you know for the. For, for Pharisees, et cetera, who, who were very good students of the law, 
was what was the purpose of the law. And I think that's maybe where certain groups, even in Christianity today, um, get a little off track, is what was the purpose of X, Y, or Z? What, what was the purpose of the scripture at the time? Um, what's its purpose now? Right. And, and what, you know, what, what good was it serving? Because if it's, it, you know, in, in theory, if it's something God is instituting, um, the assumption is it's a good thing. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, there's some stuff in the Old Testament we may, you know, take issue with, and that's part of the struggle as well. <clears throat> um, but, you know, I, I think that notion of, again, is this, is this something that is harmful or is this something that is healing? And I know some people might argue, you know, define what, what's harmful. Um, <clears throat> but for the most part, whenever you're marginalizing particular groups, now, you know, there, there are perhaps some groups that need to be marginalized. Um, you know. That's, I, the, that's I, the thing right now, right? I, because... I'm, I'm not going to probably really welcome with open arms a pedophile or, you know, something like that where there's, there are things that are harmful behaviors that we, you know, rightly say, no, don't do that. Correct. Um, and, and we wor either work on trying to change that behavior or something along those lines. But to marginalize somebody because they're different, because they don't fit, quote, the norm becomes the bigger issue and you are going to say the thing we're facing right now which one i don't know you just started to say it and i kind of well I, I mean we we have we we have two we have one so we have one worldwide crisis right yeah. which is the current catastrophe um in ukraine um right which my existential Gen X dread of nuclear war that I thought was long gone is just suddenly bubbling back to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And then today um, in, in Florida, in Tallahassee, they're debating the, the uh, don't, don't say, say gay. gay. Don't say gay bill. Yeah. Um, which is... <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. Um, and so again, I'm going to out myself as someone who, who appreciates um, comedy and satire and mixed with, with a pretty good dose of profanity. Um, uh, John Oliver on... What's, what's, what's this show called? This Week? Um, this Week Tonight. This last, week, last Week Last tonight. Week Tonight. Yeah. Um, and he, I believe it was last week, his episode focused on CRT, Critical, Critical Race, Race Theory. Theory. Yes. And what it is, what it isn't, and why it's bubbling to the surface as, it, I mean, I'm sure, you know, unless you live under a rock or like me, don't watch a whole lot of cable TV, 
um, if, you're wa- if you're watching regular TV, not streaming Netflix or something like that, you're getting bombarded with political ads most likely. And the CRT thing is yeah, popping Yeah, now the up. Olympics are over. I don't watch regular TV anymore. Yeah, me either. I, well, so when we were in Pennsylvania, my grandmother, believe it or not, doesn't stream Netflix. Um, <laughs> go figure. Um, so I, I got a, 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 a taste, way too, way too heavy of a taste, of the political ads. And they're just, man, they're, it's... I mean, they've always been garbage. They have. They've always been yeah, garbage. Yeah. And, and, and CRT is one of the things that, you know, is, is one of the political issues right now. Um, and John Oliver does a really, really good job of, of laying out what CRT is and what CRT isn't and where it came from. And so we're, we're, we're kind of doing this. I, I remember as a kid... Um, you know, being afraid of the boogeyman, right? Like, oh, the boogeyman's going to get you, or the monster's in the closet, or whatever. And we're, we've ki- we're kind of doing that with this whole CRT thing. And, you know, there's, there's politicians that are saying, you know, I have people emailing me about blah, 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 and critical race theory stuff, and when they're pressed on the issue, they, they don't have an email. Um, same thing happened with one of the sponsors of the, of the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. Um, you know, when pressed on it this week, um, he kind of came clean and said, well, no, I didn't actually get an email from a parent that this was an issue in schools. It's just a hot button issue, and we put, we put a marginalized community in the crosshairs for political gain, not, and maybe understanding, maybe not understanding, um, that you're, you're, you're actually jeopardizing their lives. Yeah. Whether, oh, this is, it's whether through self-harm or, or acted upon violence. And I, I think what, 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 what kills me and makes me die just a little bit inside, the, the, the don't say gay thing is, is deeply, deeply couched in, I'm going to air quote, you can't see this, so I'm air quoting in Christianity. Right. So regardless of where you, how you feel about the LGBTQ community, um, and, and you can be listening to this podcast, although you probably stopped tuning into this podcast by now because you're tired of hearing this crap, because um, you label it as crap. Um, and, but if you're still with me, thank you, because I appreciate and I deeply, I, deep, I think it's, it's really critical for us as society and community to listen to differing viewpoints. And it's something we don't do anymore. Um, and I may, I may touch on that in a minute unless I forget because I got derailed. Um, you know, we're, we're in this, we, we couch it under Christianity, and regardless of, of your interpretation of Scripture, regardless of your interpretation of Scripture, whether or not you feel, you know, being queer is okay. And, and let's, let's say that for you, when you read Scripture, you are definitive that, that this is the issue and it is 100% not okay. Let, let's, let's, let's say that's the case. Nowhere in Scripture does it call for us to marginalize people and put their lives in danger. It just doesn't. And things like this actually do that and cause harm. You, went, you mentioned earlier, um, how, do I, how do I know if it's from God? And what was your answer? Does it heal or does it hurt? There is nothing healing about, about the, the, quote, don't say gay bill. 
There's nothing healing about that. There's nothing healing about that. Nope. It's just, man, I, and I, if, again, if you're pissed off, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I'm really not. I, I, I think there are conversations that need to be had, and we're not willing to have them. So I asked a question on, on social media the other day, um, and I don't even remember what it was, but it was something, again, I, it, this is not... I know, I know what you asked, but I don't know if you want me to bring it up. Yeah, go ahead. I, put, I, mean, I put it on social media, so what the All hell? All right, well, uh, the question you asked was, why is a certain segment of the population supporting Putin? Yeah, there we go. That's what it was. So again, so I've heard, you know, again, not breaking news here. This isn't going to show up on a CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or AP breaking news that Pastor Chad tends to be liberal. <laughs> not breaking news here. But what, what, what really bothers me is, we can't have conversations anymore. So I know, you know some of our, at least early in this Russia-Ukraine thing, um, th this, this catastrophe going on, there, there, were, there were United States, you know, Congress, people in Congress, sort of, and, and media, taking, you know, a, a pro-Russia, a, a pro-Putin angle, and... I was kind of dumbfounded, so I legitimately asked the question. I didn't, I didn't want to argue. I just, I just want to understand. Because I think if we can have those conversations and, and at, least, at least understand it, maybe it helps something. I don't know. But we're not even willing to have those conversations anymore. No. Well, it's too dangerous. Around anything. Well, no, I... So we... Well, we perceive it to be dangerous, right, right, but exactly. in reality, not having, having those conversations them. is more dangerous. Yes. So, I, you know, I mentioned it. To, sorry, I'm like on a on a on a roll. Go on a diatribe here, but so I'll go back to the what's the very beginning of this text? How does Jesus heal with mud and spit? It's messy. Those conversations are messy. But what happens when you? What happens after Jesus puts mud and spit in your eyes? in the dude's eyes. He's healed. He can see again. Sometimes we have to go through the mess and those messy conversations to heal and get to the other side and have some understanding. Why can we not do that? Oh, man. Look, if I was a coffee drinker, I can't even blame this on coffee because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> well, and... I know what it is. I took my blood pressure yesterday. My blood pressure was low, oh, and that so you, never happens. So I'm trying actually, to raise my I'm trying to raise my blood pressure. So I, I feel actually when I saw so I feel normal. When I saw your post about the blood pressure thing, I was like, oh, so existential dread of impending nuclear <laughs> annihilation lowers your blood pressure. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think it's low right now. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, and I agree with you too, but I think part of the, it's a tricky place for pastors to be in, in terms of, like, like the Pharisees, we wield a certain amount of power. Maybe not as much as we used to. Yeah, if only. <laughs> but, I mean, we do. 
we, 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 we do wield a certain amount of power. We have a voice that maybe other people don't necessarily have. So what we say um, is kind of important. And, and what we don't say is important. And, and we have responsibilities. And it is, it is, it is really hard. And yet at the same time, we know we're going to alienate some people when we do take a stand and when we do make the comments that we're making. Um, we, we know that that is going to make some people upset. And right, because we can't have this conversation anywhere. Right. I'm going to take my stuff and go home because I'm, I'm not... And again, right. to be fair, if I were... I, I don't know. I don't know. Carry on, sorry. I don't know what you were going to say there. I don't know either. But um, I know Pastor Chad and I would much prefer to sit down if people have issues to have these conversations one-on-one. -on -one yep. And say, hey, let's, let's talk about this. Um, yep. The problem is emotions always get involved. And because people feel very strongly about certain things one way or another. Um, and so a lot of times emotions tend to overtake the conversation. Um, or stop the conversation from even taking place. That's the bigger Basically, issue. Basically, there's the, the, whole, the whole, your dirt, get out. Yeah, it's, going on. well, again, and it's, it's back to, I call it Burger King theology or Burger, Th Burger King church. I want, you know, I want to go in, I want to order it exactly how I want it. And if I don't get that, well, I'm just, I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's where we're at as a society. We have, there's lots of flavors. Um, there's, lots of, there's lots of churches that, well, I'll just go to another one. I'll go to another one that doesn't want to preach that. And, and the problem is the church isn't united on damn near anything. Um, I think we agree that Jesus was on the cross and Jesus you know, rose from the dead. Um, and we might be done. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean that, the, the, we well, can, we can know, hold on and, to that. And, and ironically, that isn't even completely 100% universal in Christianity because you, you get people who think it's a spiritual metaphorical resurrection, not a physical, not, et, cetera, yeah. et cetera, So yeah, I mean, um, across the board, you're, you're not going to find Christians that 100% agree on everything. Um, I, I think the fact that Jesus died was probably the one thing that we do all agree on. There we go. Now, the form of his resurrection, et cetera, maybe is something we don't always come to terms with um, in 100% in agreement. But it's, it, it, it is hard. Um, and be, but at the same time, again, I come back to this um, accountability thing. You're blind, but now you see. Um, I, I, I will fully admit there are issues that I have done 180s on. Yep. Um, where I was... 13 plus years ago on a lot of the issues that we're debating today, I was on the other side. It, it was, you know, I didn't think X, Y, or Z was right. I didn't think racism was the issue it is. Um, I, you know, all of those kinds of things were, were, I, I was, I was in a different place, 
But over the course of several years, studying scripture, listening to Jesus, prayer, listening to the voices of other people, um, and really, it, 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 I've, I've done a 180. I'm, I'm in a completely different place, which, you know, sometimes to my parents' horror, <laughs> I am. I'm in a completely different place than I was um, when I started on this whole pastor journey kind of thing. And so I also, I, one of the stories I brought up was John Newton. Yeah. It took him 34 years, 34 years to finally realize, oh, slavery's bad. You know, once, once it was, he, he had this moment of, of um, my life was saved in this storm, so I'm going to start spending more time maybe learning about faith and God and that kind of stuff. And it took him 34 years in that process to kind of do his 180. And then instead of being part of the slave trade, became an abolitionist. So change, unfortunately, a lot of times is slow. I'm okay, I'm okay with slow. Yep. As long as we have change, right? Right. Like, like again. Well, yes and no, I'm okay with it. Well, I was going to say, let, let, me, let me backpedal that a little bit. I, I want to see progress. I understand that it's slow. I don't want it to be slow. But if we can just... Move we're forward. going backwards, I think, is uh, more of the problem right now. So is, is, is the progress we've made, we now have seemed to gone backwards. And so we, last night there was a, a, a conversation, a listening session with an African-American, a pastor of African descent, um, retired now, right around the year 2000. Um, he, him and his wife and their two kids were going in, they were Lutheran. So they were in Louise, they were in New Orleans and they were going to church. And he's walking into church and there's a guy behind him and the guy, the white family behind him realizes they're going into the church and um, as, I'll, as, I'll, as I'll preface this story as he did last night, we're all adults here so there's going to be some profanity. Um, and he said, all of a sudden, I hear someone say, what the shit? Because there, were two, there was a black family going into this church in New Orleans. So being his family was first, he got to the door and held the door for his wife and kids, continued to hold the door for this, this family and the white gentleman. And he says, I can hold it, my, I can get the door myself. And he said, I'm absolutely sure you can, but the way I was raised, it's polite to do this, so go on in. They go in, the guy sits, the family sits in the second pew from the back, as most Lutherans do. Um, so they sat down. Um, this, this African descent family walks in and sits in the last pew. As he put it, we were even better Lutherans. We sat in the very last pew. Um, and... When they sat down, the family got up and moved to the very front pew. During the passing of the peace, he got up, passed the peace, made sure to go to that gentleman, extended his hand, and said, the peace of Christ be with you. And the gentleman looked at him and said, I can't, and folded his hands. 
to which the, 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 uh, the pastor, not pastor at the time, of African descent said, either way, the peace of Christ be with you, and went and sat down. That was in the year 2000, give or take a year or two. The year 2000. Then went to serve a few years later um, in the congregation in Jacksonville, Florida. The congregation is one of, if not the oldest congregation in Florida, Lutheran congregations in Florida. The neighborhood had changed significantly. Used to be a white neighborhood. The neighborhood became 80% minority, which makes that neighborhood not a minority anymore. 80% minority. Yeah, that by, by definition, yeah. 80% is no longer minority. Correct. So they joined the church because they were then, him and his wife were then serving the church, and they were the first black members of that congregation. Their gross, That's astounding. I know. Their mission strategy, he had found, it through, you know, shuffling through, you know, old minutes and stuff. Their mission strategy was not to reach out to the neighboring community, the neighboring zip codes who had transitioned from what used to be a white community to an African descent community around the congregation and look to pinpoint the zip codes of that were predominantly white and target them 40 blocks away to come to church there because they didn't want to reach out to the surrounding community. This isn't, this isn't the 2000s. This isn't in the 50s. This isn't in the 60s. This isn't even in the 70s. This is less than 20 years ago in a church. In a church. I, I, I want to say I'm shocked, but I'm not. I'm not shocked, but I'm horrified. Yes. Right? Yes. There's, like, there's, there's, there's a huge difference between being, this doesn't shock me because, well, yeah. Um, the the first I'm time I heard... horrified that this is still where we're at. The first time I heard a story like that, I was shocked. The second time I heard a story like that, I was shocked. The third time I heard a story, I was like, I'm no longer shocked but I'm horrified. And, I, and I'd like to say I've only heard three instances of this, but I, I can't honestly say it's been only three. It's been a multitude of conversations with people of color and I, listening people, listening. How do you, The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. This is, this is the Ash Wednesday text, yeah. Which is really interesting right now because sheep and sheeple is the new, is the new cool thing to say. Oh, you're a sheeple, which means you're blindly following, we put it in political terms, you're blindly following the right or you're blindly following left. It's, it's one of those, yeah. one of those grenades that, that we lob at each other on the other side and say, oh, you're a sheeple, you're just following, or you're... Interesting how in the, um, uh, the biblical context, being a sheep is considered actually a good thing. Yep. Um, <laughs> because the kings of Israel were referred to as the shepherds of the sheep, of the flock. Um, the idea being um, not so much that you blindly follow, but that uh, someone is, to, is, is responsible for taking care of you to some degree. Um, whether it's your, your king, 
um, <laughs> whether it's God, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, is the notion that there is a responsibility on a leadership type figure to care for the people that are underneath them. That, that they are supposed to care for them and have their best interests. Um, and prophets like Ezekiel, of course, wail on uh, Israel saying, you had really, really bad shepherds. <laughs> you had shepherds that abused you. You had shepherds that didn't care for you. Um, in contrast with the good shepherd being Jesus. Yeah. Who doesn't abuse and does care. And again, this becomes the contrast, what's God, what's not. And, and the, again... Who's your shepherd, right? What is harmful? Who's and, your shepherd? Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's the issue we have in society today. Who's your shepherd? Yeah. Because it ain't Jesus too yeah. often. Too often the answer is not Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's just admit, yeah, we're all sheep. We're all going to follow something. Yep. The question is, what are you going to follow? And who's your shepherd, Right. You know, what, what is the shepherd? What is the voice that you're going to listen to? Um, and recognizing that we live in a world that has threats. We have thieves. We have bandits. We have, you know, wolves um, that are always going to be present, always going to be with us. And the question I think that the, the text for Ash Wednesday brings out is, where do you turn in the midst of those threats? And who do yeah. you listen to? Because they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, you can listen to the wolf. You can listen to the thief. You can follow the thief. You can, you know, but I, I guarantee following the thief and following the wolf is not going to end well for you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just saying. <laughs> it's not going to, you're a sheep, you follow a wolf, guess what? <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't get eaten right away, right? Right, like, right. Like, maybe you don't get eaten right away. Maybe, maybe the wolf is like, hey, sheep, come hang out with me and bring your friends. And then instead of its dinner party of one, it's... Yeah, it's a smorgasbord. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Old country buffet. Yeah. But, Ugh, I mean, I hate but buffets. that's why it's important to know who are you listening to yeah. and, and what is the voice that you are turning to? What is the voice you are listening to? Um, and is it the voice that heals and says, I'm the gate and it's through me through which, you know, there is... I hesitate to say safety because the threats are still there. Yeah. Um, safety in terms of we have a particular hope that some things, yeah, yeah, they might kill you. The thieves and the bandits might kill you regardless of following Jesus. But we recognize Jesus continues to hold us in his hands. And this is where I know you and I don't, you know, we, we tend to not talk quite about, um, about it as much. We're talk, we talk a lot more about the here and the now. But by listening to the Good Shepherd, that is kind of that whole notion of um, not just salvation from the things that are deadly in this world, but that eternal death. And that there is life even in the face of death. And that is one of the hopes in which, as Christians, we do cling to. Yeah. And it's not the whole message of Jesus. The whole message of Jesus is not get your free pass into heaven kind of thing. 
Um, it's about that accountability. It's about that listening to the voice. It's about standing up for the margin. It's about laying down your life because that's what the good shepherd says he does. He lays down his life for his sheep. Yeah. And recognizes that there are times, there are moments in which laying down your life for the vulnerable, when you know it's going to cost you, when you know it's going to cost you your job, it's going to cost you all kinds of things in the face of the thieves and the bandits and the wolves, that you lay down your life, especially as a leader, for the sake of those marginalized. And because Jesus gave entry to the marginalized, to his community, saying they're part of it. You may be kicking them out of the synagogue and the temple, but they're my people. Yeah. And he brings them in and he says, and I will lay down my life for them. It will cost me. It will. And it does cost him. It costs him his life. Yeah. Because this continues their ire, their irritation, their anger at him that will lead him to the cross and will lead him to being killed because he's a big problem. And the biggest problem is he's bringing in people that, quote, don't belong. He's upending a status quo. Yep. So on that note. So one last request. So if you listened to this whole thing and made it through, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you get like bonus points or points towards sainthood or something. Not that that's a thing, but um, thank you. If you're like, yeah, I agree, I agree. Okay, great. Go listen to something on what we call, quote, the other side. Go listen to, to something on the other side. If you listen to this and you are, quote, the other side, um, I don't view it that way, but I, that's, that's just how we're dividing people societally these days. Um, and you're like, man, Pastor Chad is crazy liberal and he wants me to accept gay people and he wants me to accept people of color and, you know, unconditionally, and yada, 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 and you were uncomfortable by that, um, one, I, I want to I commend you for sticking it out. Now, maybe you just stuck it out so you have ammo, so you can, you know, extra arrows in your quiver to fire my direction. Okay, so be it. Um, but I, I want to thank you because I do think it's critically, critically important that we have these conversations and we listen to these things. So I want to also extend, um, if you, if you, survived this, this podcast um, and your blood pressure didn't skyrocket through the roof um, and you're still with us and I hope that you are. Um, I, I want a sincere invitation to a conversation um, and whether that's over a meal or just in my office or over a beer or I don't do coffee but I'm happy to drink you know, like, I don't know, some, some foo-foo coffee drinks that aren't so bitter. Um, and, and have that conversation because I, I, I want you to hear this as a, as, a, 
as a commitment on my part to listen. And a because I'm, 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 I'm incredibly serious, um, one of the things that grieves me most right now, aside from you know, some of the atrocities going on that we touched on, um, is the breakdown of communication in our society and the, the, continual, the continual building of echo chambers so I don't have to hear or engage the other side. Um, because it's not an other side thing. You know, we are, we are all in this together. Um, scripture is one of those, there's somewhere in Scripture, it says, you know, what happens to the least of these happens to all of us. That's a paraphrase. That's Matthew. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're all, in case you haven't noticed, we're all in this together. Like, just because there's a war that's happening in Ukraine, don't think we're not affected. Duh. We're affected. And even, even if it doesn't go nuclear, which, God, I pray it doesn't. Um, and I think that's maybe something we can all, at least I hope that's something we can all agree on. Even if it doesn't get to that point, we're all affected. Because we're, now a, we're, not, we're not tribal anymore. We're not regional anymore. We're, we're a global society. What affects one of us, no matter where, those ripples eventually get to us. So I, I, I'm... I'm I'm incredibly serious, and I, I, hope, I hope someone takes me up on this offer. Um, I'll even buy lunch, coffee. We're not going to Kyle G's. Lunch, coffee. <laughs> um, we're not going to Burger King either. He'll, he'll take you out for Taco Tuesday. I'll take you out for tacos. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. Um, because I, I do think it's critically important. So thank you so much for, for sticking with us. Um, I'll go check my blood pressure now and see where I'm at. Um, see if it's the same as it was yes. as it was well, yesterday. Well, and but. our so like I said, we'll have Ash Wednesday, but then this coming weekend is the raising of Lazarus, which is the ultimate in um, healing, so to speak. You know, raising somebody from the dead, and that gets him in more trouble than anything. Yeah. So we'll talk about that next week. Go figure. Week. But uh, thank you for for tuning in for sticking with us um listening and we'll be back next week love you See goodbye ya. bye <laughs>